listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Three things that you got to watch. Three things you got to watch for, without question. You see, one of the things, you know, one of the most frustrating things you could ever see is people who are gifted and talented that, and they know they are, but they like literally don't take it seriously. Don't take what God's given them seriously. Don't take their calling, their purpose seriously. And there's uh, literally, there's nothing that they do. And this is, and, and here's, here's where I really want to start because when people have an anointing on their life or they have a gift, I'll I'll, I'll start with that, a gift. Not let it, not not an actual because you have to develop in the anointing. And and, every, and I think you would understand that if you've watched this broadcast for any period of time. You have to develop in the anointing. The anointing's like a muscle and it has to be developed. You can grow in the anointing, you can grow in the strength of the anointing. Some people carry a strong anointing, others almost none. <laughs> And uh, I won't go any, any deeper in that, but it's true. Some carry a strong anointing. Some carry uh, almost nothing. Not that they don't have the power of God in them, but it's like when something, when the Holy Ghost is in you, you have the responsibility to release the power of God that's in you. You know, you can't get any more of the power of God than you already have. He's already filled you with the fullness of God. Your body is filled. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives and dwells in you. So it doesn't get any more powerful than the Holy Ghost. It doesn't get any more powerful than the third person of the Trinity who's dwelling in your body and empowering you with resurrection power to do what you're called to do. However, many people never learn, like what Paul taught, how to release the power of God that's inside of them. And so because they never learn to release the power of God that's inside of them, it seems as though they walk around uh, with all the potential in the world and none of the results. It's a big mistake, big mistake, because they never learn how to release the power of God. And you've got to learn how to do that. But when you're gifted, when you have a gifting in an area that God's put on your life and your gifts uh, are there to uh, supplement your call, remember that. Gifts and callings are different. You may have a purpose or a call, but you have, you know, God's single-minded. He gives you a purpose, a call, but inside that call or purpose, you may have many giftings that supplement what you're called to do. Many giftings that supplement what you're called to do. So uh, they all support the, the purpose or call that God's put you in. But when people have a gift, it's very interesting. When people have a gift, They're responsible for how they steward that gift. We're all responsible for how we steward the gift. And so when that comes on your life, you have to make decisions that keep you in a place of fruitfulness. You know, people say, well, and I hear people say this, well, brother, you just got to stay faithful, you know, but, but I put this in the book further, faster. Faithfulness without fruitfulness is foolishness. I'll say it again in case you didn't quite understand what I mean. Faithfulness 
without fruitfulness is foolishness. I want you to put that in the comments section, those that are watching. Faithfulness without fruitfulness is foolishness. What do I mean by that? You can be faithful for a long time doing the wrong thing. Faithfulness in and of itself means nothing if it's not producing fruit for the kingdom. Anybody can be faithful doing the wrong thing. Anybody, it's like, you know, you can have played golf like me for, I've played golf now for over 15 years. I'm not really any better. I'm a little tiny bit better than I used to be, but I'm not, you know, I'm not any better. You know, I'm not like shooting in the seventies. I'm not shooting in the eighties because it doesn't matter how much you play. You can ingrain wrong disciplines into your game. So I could play every single day making the same mistakes. I'm faithful to play, but I'm not producing any more fruit than I was before because I'm just faithful to the same mistakes over and over and over again. So you can play 500 rounds of golf and have the wrong grip or have the wrong backswing or have the wrong follow through. And it doesn't matter because your faithfulness doesn't change anything. You're just continuing to be faithful to the wrong way of doing things. So faithfulness without fruitfulness is foolishness. It has nothing to do with faithfulness. Faithfulness has to be uh, attached to the proper way of doing things, God's way of doing things. If it's not, then you're not going to see the increase that you're believing to see. And when people are gifted, one of the things they have to watch out for, have to watch out for, is that they don't do the things that will keep their gift from increasing or keep their fruit from being produced in the kingdom of God and becoming extremely effective. Because that's God's desire for every believer is that they become extremely effective and produce much fruit. Let me show you that in case anybody thinks, well, you know, God wants some people to produce a lot of fruit and others he's sad. No, God doesn't want any person lacking in the area of fruit production. That's what John 15 is all about. That's exactly what John 15 is all about. Look at, let me read to you uh, John 15 verses five through eight. Listen to this. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, you see that, and prove to be my disciples, that you bear much fruit, that's 15.8, and so prove to be my disciples. So God's looking for much fruit, not a little bit, not a minuscule amount of fruit. He's looking for much fruit fruit. According to that passage of scripture, the more fruit you bear, the more glory you bring to the father. According to Christ, the more fruit that you bear, the more glory you bring to the father. So God's looking for much fruit and not a little bit of fruit. And so the key is, is if you're faithful, you've got to be faithful to the right thing and not the wrong thing. Very, very important. Being faithful to the right way of doing things, not faithful to the wrong thing. Faithfulness without fruitfulness is foolishness. And so don't ever do something just because you saw somebody else do it. Don't do something because you you think, well, I should be able to do that. If he can do it, I can do it. I'm just, no, don't ever, that's why the Bible says comparing yourselves among yourselves, you're unwise. 
Don't be unwise comparing yourselves together. But understand this, that you've got to learn that your calling from God is unique to you and you've got to do what the Lord speaks to you to do. It has nothing to do with what somebody else is doing. And people fall into the trap of trying to compare what they're doing with what someone else is doing. Then they become dissatisfied in their own purpose thinking, well, I should look like them. You shouldn't look like them. I mean, think about this. I'll give, you, I'll give you an analogy that'll help you to understand this. If I, let's say, for example, I was in a, a church preaching and I see a guy on the front row, you know, much smaller than me, but he's wearing a beautiful uh, custom-made, tailor-made suit, you know, $3,000, $4,000 suit. And I say, brother, stand up. I want you to take that jacket off and give it to me. Well, he's much smaller than I am. He's wearing his blessing. If he then takes that off and says, I should have that suit. I should have a $4,000 suit. He can take the jacket off and I can put it on and be like, you know, Chris Farley and Tommy Boy, fat guy in a little coat. And I could walk around while I'm preaching wearing that guy's coat. But while it's a blessing for him, it's actually something nice for him. For me, as I'm walking around, it's a hindrance. So I just tried to put his blessing on my life and it becomes a hindrance to me. So understand this, that something that's been given to someone else is a blessing to them. It can become a hindrance to you if you try to put it on. Because recognize this with me today is that when you try to step into somebody else's shoes or step into somebody else's coat, their mantle, their purpose, their calling, if it wasn't tailor-made for you, it'll only be a restriction. Only be a restriction. Only one of two things can happen. It'll restrict you in your flow or it'll be way too big on you and you won't be able to properly fill it. And I've watched that happen. I've seen that happen to people where they try to step into somebody else's because it looks good on them. And they say, well, I'm going to do the same exact thing. You can't do the same exact thing. You're not called to do the same exact thing. So it'll either restrict you or it'll be so big that you won't be able to fill it. And you can't look at somebody else's blessing and try to grab somebody else's mantle or walk in somebody else's purpose if it's not God's plan for your own personal life. So, so vital that you catch that. Have to catch that. And so we are gifted. There are gifted people. But I want to give you three things before I pray for you today that will show you, show you how to function in your gifting and in your purpose and in your calling without being hindered by the enemy. Or, or, or destroyed, having your purpose destroyed by the enemy. <clears throat> and I'll say it this way. Number one, the first thing is always relying on your gift without any diligence or dedication. Let me say that again. Only relying on your gift with no diligence or dedication. Love you, Brian. Hey, Pastor Danny, love you. What do I mean by that? I've seen so many people that are talented naturally, gifted naturally, but because they are, they just lean on that and they lay back on the practice. They lay back on the work. They lay back on the diligence, lay back on the dedication. And they say, well, I don't need to practice. I don't need to, uh, you know, get myself. And I watch them. I watch them all take a dive. Why? Because God is expecting you to be diligent, dedicated, faithful, and study to show yourself approved, that you have to be somebody 
that doesn't just fly by the seat of their pants. You've got to be somebody that actually puts the work into what God has called you to do. So when they, people that just literally, I've watched it all through my life, athletes, musicians, people that are, you know, speakers, whatever they might be, and they've got a gift to do what they do. But because of that, they think, well, I'm already doing better than so-and-so. I'm already doing better than somebody else. Why should I need to practice? I'm already crushing it way more than he or she. It's another comparing problem. And so what do they do? They just lean on that, lean on that gift that they have, and never are faithful stewards of that gift. See, here's the, here's the danger. The danger is you say, well, why should I practice? I'm already doing it way better than him, way better than her, way better than them. And then what, what ends up happening is you deter, you're determining how far you will go in your calling based on how somebody has not measured up. How far, listen, how far I go should never be determined on people that don't have or don't do what I'm doing. That limits how far you can go. It limits God's plan for your life. It limits your future because now you're saying, well, I'm already doing it better than them. I'm already doing it more effective. And I, you know, I don't need to do anything more. I'm already crushing it. No, God's not basing how far he wants to take you on what others aren't doing. Think about that. God is not basing how far he will take you based on what others aren't doing. You got to catch that because he wants to take you so far beyond that it blows the minds of natural men so that when they look at what's happening in your life, ministry, business, whatever, people can only attribute the glory to God because they'll be able to clearly see that's not natural, that what's happening in his or her life, that is supernatural. That's what God wants to do. He wants to do something so big in your life or ministry that only he could get the glory for it. And if you always are comparing backwards, comparing backwards, comparing backwards, well, I'm already doing great. I got it better, better than her. My business is better than his. My church is bigger than his. My ministry is hard. What a mistake. What a mistake. And then people have a little bit of talent. They have a little bit of gifting. And then they just sit there and lean on that. And they put it on cruise control and try to ride that out. What a mistake. What a mistake. Trying to ride out on cruise control because you got a little bit of a gifting or a little bit of a talent. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You'll never fulfill your full purpose in Christ, putting things on cruise control and putting, putting yourself in a position of coasting through life. Hope it's a mistake. If you're going to do any comparison at all, don't compare backward, compare forward. What do I mean by that? And I dealt with this in uh, further faster. Don't compare backward, compare forward. What does that mean? Find people who are doing something in the same realm or arena that you're called to function and look at those that are far ahead of where you are and compare yourself with those people and use them as an object, use them as a goal and say, I'm going to do like they did, stay faithful and work and become diligent until I can reach that goal and then I'll look beyond. Then I'll look beyond. That's what Paul taught. If you study uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, the Bible says he spoke to them and said, follow me as I follow Christ. The, the ESV says, be imitators of me. Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. So Paul was actually teaching them 
to compare in a good way, not in a negative way. Look ahead. Compare ahead. Don't compare backwards. Because if you compare ahead, it gives you a goal to run toward. It gives you a faith uh, uh, target to run toward. And that's what Paul was teaching. Be an imitator of me. Why? Because he was already far beyond where they were. If you read 1 Corinthians, now he that's who he was speaking to in context. 1 Corinthians 11, he's talking to the Corinthians. And he says to them, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But if you go over to the 14th chapter, you can see he begins to explain in ways that he's far above them. What does he say? You know, I speak in tongues more than all of you do. I speak in tongues more than all of you do. I'm far beyond. So if you look at 1 Corinthians 14, you can read that chapter as he's teaching them about spiritual gifts. He's letting them know, I'm not giving you instructions because I'm trying to hamper your spiritual gifts. I have more spiritual gifts flowing than any of you have, any of you, but I'm trying to teach you a lesson. So imitate me as I imitate Christ, 1 Corinthians 11.1. So there, there is a comparison that happens. It's, it's wrong to judge in comparison, but there's nothing wrong with having a target or a faith goal. Paul taught it, and by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he taught it. So when you have a gift or when you have a call, one of the most important things that you can understand is that you have got to stay in a place where you don't just lay back and, uh, and put it on cruise control. You don't just lay back and say, well, you know, I'm good enough where I am. You know, there's a, and this has nothing to do with the, this this is just a regular business book that I, I picked up one time. You've you've probably heard it was a bestseller that Jim Collins wrote called Good to Great. I was fi- I was amazed to find out that he said one of the main reasons that a, a business or a corporation never becomes great is because they're satisfied with being good. You get satisfied with being able to get by. You you're satisfied for just being able to coast and make it and be, you know, have a level of victory or success. And so you sit there and say, Oh, it's good. We're, you know, we're winning, we're getting success. You don't even realize that God has explosive breakthroughs available for you. Explosive breakthroughs available for you if you would press towards the mark. If you would push. You know, Paul taught that. We don't run, you know, for nothing. He said, I'm not as one beating the air. You know, we're not putting it on cruise control. I press toward the mark. I run that I may obtain the prize. That's how I'm running. I'm running to win. I'm running to obtain. I'm not just trying to lay back and sit sit back. No, we're not called to cruise. We're not called to just throw it into a coast. Every day, pressing forward. Every day, pressing towards the mark. Every day, expecting to go further in God than we did the day before. Not cruising. We're not called to cruise. If you've got any kind of a heart for God and he's put a gift in you, you should be pushing, pushing, pushing towards your call with everything you've got. Nothing wrong with that. Diligence is rewarded in the kingdom. Diligence is rewarded. I've heard some of the most foolish things taught about diligence from men of God you know, that, you know, you're, you're overthinking. If you think that, you know, you're going to get out there and do it yourself and you know, that you think God needs you to work hard. Oh, he needs you to work hard. He needs you to work hard. He's called you to work hard. He expects you to work hard. He expects you to run in the power of his spirit and press toward the mark and run to win and obtain the prize. That's why Paul took all the time to explain that to the church. 
because we're to run to win. And people that run to win, and he's actually, it was Paul by the Holy Spirit who was using the analogy of those that run in races. And he talks about the fact that they are training themselves and running to obtain a prize or to win. Anybody that runs in a race, go to the Olympics, you go to whatever it might be that you're doing in competitive racing, people train. They train. What do you think? People just show up at the Olympics in their street clothes and are like, you know what? I just showed up. I thought maybe I'd run in the Olympics today. No, they've been training for years to do one race. Literally, think about that. Training for years to participate in one race. They've got all of that pressing behind them day after day after day, going hard, eating right, on the mark, having a coach for one race. One race, training themselves. That's why the Bible says, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, bodily exercise or physical exercise Profits only a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So what is godliness? Training in the spiritual realm. Training in the spiritual realm. So I want you to hear this with me today. One of the number one mistakes, and by the way, if you haven't gotten a chance to share this, share this broadcast today. One of the number one mistakes that is made by gifted people is that because they have a gift, they get lazy in their gifting. Because they're naturally talented or naturally gifted, they get lazy in their pursuit of their call. They feel like they can just lay back and never press in. And as a result, ultimately, they're destroyed. Ultimately, they lose out. Because you know you know how I know this? The Bible equates laziness with wickedness. Did you ever think of that? The Bible equates laziness with wickedness. Where is that found? Matthew chapter 25. I've taken you here before. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, 26. Listen to this. But his master answered him. This was the servant that buried his talent in the ground until his master came back. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You wicked and slothful servant. Slothfulness, laziness is considered wickedness. God is looking for a people that are willing to press toward the mark, press toward the high calling, and to obtain the prize that they're running for. I'm going higher. I've made up in my mind. God's not called me to stay where I am. God's not called me to diminish. He's not called me to go backwards. Never ending increase is our story. But it's not random. It doesn't just sovereignly come to people. Every increase is planned. Every increase has a reason behind it. It's seed time and harvest. It's not called sovereign harvest. God's system is not called sovereign harvest. It's called seed time and harvest. The seed time is the reason for the harvest. I want you to put that in the comments. Those of you that are watching, put it in the comments. Seed time is the reason for harvest. Seed time is the reason for harvest. It's not called sovereign harvest. Well, one of these days when the Lord sees fit, I know he's going to just drop a harvest on me. It doesn't work that way. It'll never work that way. 
God does not just sovereignly drop harvests on people. His system is called seed time and harvest because seed time is the reason for the harvest. Can you imagine a farmer getting angry when harvest time came? He said, I can't believe it. I just went out and checked all my fields and there's no fruit, there's no corn, there's no potatoes in any of my fields. And somebody asked him, well, did you, did you plant anything? Well, no, I just wanted a, I wanted a harvest to come. I didn't plant any seeds. Everybody would think he was insane, clinically insane, because they would look at him and say, well, then how in the world do you expect there to be anything in your fields if you didn't put any seed out when it was time to plant? Because seed time is the reason for the harvest. Seed time is the reason. It's the same in your life with Christ. Your faithfulness, your diligence is your seed time. It's your seed time. Let, let me show you something in Galatians chapter six. Go with me to Galatians chapter six. And let me, let me show you this. Galatians chapter six, I'll read to you verse nine. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season. You see that we will reap if we do not give up. Hey, Jackie Padilla in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. So what is he saying? Don't get weary in well-doing. Why? Because all the well-doing, all the diligence, all the faithfulness, it is seed time. You're creating, think about this, you are creating your due season, if you will, by your seed time. God's not just looking down saying, I think for this sector of the earth, we'll create due season at this time. I think for this sector of the earth, no, <clears throat> because if you don't sit or if you don't, if you just sit around and you're never, uh, you know, in that place of doing what you're called to do, well-doing, the Bible calls it. You're not releasing any seed time. There's not going to be some random harvest that's, uh, you know, sovereignly dropped on your life. It doesn't work like that. Seed time is the reason for harvest. It's the reason for harvest. So as we're doing what we're called to do, we do it with diligence. We do it with faithfulness. We're doing the right thing at the right time and doing it as hard as we can and doing it as faithfully as we can. What are we doing? We're storing up blessing in our cloud and due season's coming and it's about to rain. Every Jacob's asking, could you explain what a seed, what seed time is? and how we plant seeds. Everything you release from your life, thank you, Yaniel, everything you release from your life is a seed, everything. The words you speak produce a harvest. The actions you take produce a harvest. The financial seeds you sow produce, produce a harvest. Everything that goes out from your life is a seed, everything, everything. Thoughts you think, are a seed. What you meditate on is a seed. The people you hang around and spend time with, that's a seed into your life. Everything that happens is a seed that produces a harvest. That's why you have to be very careful about what you allow in your life. That's why you have to be very careful what you allow into your mind. We dealt with that last night on the broadcast. What you allow into your life, the people that you hang with, the relationships you have, what you do, everything's a seed that will end up with a harvest. Everybody that's watching me right now, everybody, <clears throat> doesn't matter who you are, 
You are standing today in the results of what you said and sowed in the past. We are living in the results of our seeds. Did you ever think about it that way? Everybody watching me, everybody, you are living your life today in the results of previous seeds. If you don't like where your life is, change your seeds. Think about that. If you don't like where your life is, change your seeds. Change what you're sowing. Change what you're releasing from your life. If you don't like how people treat you, treat them differently. Everything is a seed. Everything that goes out from your life. And people make the mistake of just coasting on their gift instead of pressing in. Pressing in with faithfulness and being diligent. Being diligent. You know, and I'll, I'll go on to two and three. But let me just show you this. I find it very interesting that the Apostle Paul was the most intelligent and educated man in the New Testament. I mean, you think about the fact he was trained by the Sanhedrin Council. He uh, sat at the feet of Gamaliel and was literally handpicked you know, they, they looked at him as someone rising up through the ranks at a young age who was going to become extremely successful uh, with the other Pharisees and with the Sanhedrin Council, extremely zealous, extremely educated. But even after he his conversion and towards the end of his life, notice what he wrote back. He said, when you come to visit me, now he's saying this as an older man now. He said, when you come to visit me, please bring my parchments And please bring me my books and please bring me my notes. Think about that. Paul Paul wrote that. When you come to see me, don't just bring my cloak. Bring me my parchments. Bring me my notes. Bring me my books. Because even at the end of his life, he was still pressing in in study. He was studying even as an older man to show himself approved. He never just laid back and said, well, you know, I mean, think about how stupid this would have been. Peter was the exact opposite of Paul. Peter was an apostle to the Jews. Paul, an apostle to the Gentiles. And so think about this. Paul could have said, well, look at Peter. He doesn't know hardly anything. He was just a fisherman. I was trained in religious things. I was the one that was raised up by the Sanhedrin council. I was the one that Gamaliel trained. Peter doesn't know anything. He's just a foolish fisherman, you know, and so I don't need to press in. I mean, look what if Peter can do it, you know, if Peter can have a ministry, if Peter can minister to people successfully and he has no training, I can minister. I can minister to people. I've got all the training. You know, I've got all the, he could have done that. He could have said, you know, I don't need to, you know, I've, I've got the, the law and the prophets down pat. I mean, I've got, no, he kept on pressing in. He didn't allow where he currently was at his advanced level to keep him from being diligent and faithful. He kept pressing kept pressing towards the mark. And as he kept pressing, he became the most fruitful man of God in the New Testament. The Lord chose him to write almost half the books, almost two thirds of the content of the New Testament. 
Think about that. Other than Christ, the most fruitful man in the New Testament. And he never stopped pressing, never stopped moving forward, never stopped being diligent, never stopped being faithful until, I mean, listen, they had the man in captivity. He's in Rome, by the way, renting his own house. (laughs) If you don't know that, Bible says that he himself, out of his own money, renting his own house for years and sitting there and even in captivity with an armed guard living with him because he was in captivity, he had groups of people come into the house every single day and he's preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching. He could have said, well, it's just the end of my life. I'm in prison, the end of my ministry. They're going to kill me here in Rome. I'm done. It's the end of my road. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. No, even in captivity, even at the end of his life, even on house arrest with an armed guard, he's sitting there in Rome and people are coming day after day after day. And for years, he just taught and taught and taught and taught and taught. Continued to be faithful, continued to be diligent. He didn't hang it up because he had been captured and put in captivity because he appealed to Caesar. No, he kept on pressing. He kept on teaching, kept on writing letters. And see, that's the mistake we'll never make. We will never back off of our gift. We will never stop being diligent. We'll never stop being faithful. We'll never stop pressing towards the mark. We'll never stop on this race doing what God's called us to do. And as a result, never-ending increase. Explosive breakthroughs. I want you to put that in. Explosive breakthroughs are coming to me. Explosive breakthroughs are coming to me. That's got to be your confession. And then you got to live like it's true. Live like every breakthrough is your responsibility, but knowing that it's God who gives the increase, but living like it's your responsibility, your seed time, your seed time, your seed time, just continually faithful. Thank you, Ariana. That's the scripture I was referencing, Acts 28, 30 and 31. Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense for his own hired dwelling, And welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus. That's right. Keep writing it. Explosive breakthroughs are coming to me. Explosive breakthroughs are coming to me. Explosive breakthroughs coming to me. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Explosive breakthroughs are coming to me in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. That's right, Jackie. That's right, Jessica. Kelly. Put it in the comments. Explosive breakthroughs are coming to me in Jesus' name. Let me give you number two. The second uh, mistake that gifted people must avoid is trying to solve every problem. And this is huge. This is huge. Trying to solve every problem. Saying yes to everything. (laughs) Trying to solve every problem and saying yes to everything. I'm not called to do everything. I'm not called to do everything. I'm not called to solve every problem. I'm not. I'm not called to say yes to everything. And one of the things that you'll see happen if you're gifted, talented, anointed, is that people will pull on you all the time from every direction. 
Hey, we were wondering if you could come over and do this. We know you're really good at it. Hey, can you come over here? Hey, can you do this? Hey, would you be willing to do this? Hey, could you do this? You're not called to answer every problem or solve every problem. You're not called to say yes to everything. Because one of the things that'll happen to a gifted person is that if you don't stay on your purpose, if you don't stay on your calling, you can be burnt out by people using your gift and using your talent for their own purpose. And you know, if you feel to help people, that's wonderful. Do it, be a help, be a blessing. But you don't have to say yes to every single thing. You're not called to be pulled in 32 different directions because you feel guilty. Well, because, you know, I could help them. I have a gift. I'm able to do it. Yes, you could, you could help them. You could do that. But you're not called to say yes to every single thing. You're not called to be pulled in every single direction. It's a tactic that will burn you out rather than getting you to accomplish your purpose. You've got to do first and foremost as a priority what you are called to do. Because remember this, when you stand before God, you won't give an account for their purpose or their ministry or their business or their calling. You'll give an account for yours and what you were called to do. And did you, did you finish it? Did you complete it? Is it done in excellence for the Lord? And when I stand before God, I don't want to stand before him and say, well, <clears throat> you know, I never actually did ever... Uh, complete what you called me to do because I was helping everybody else. And it wasn't my calling. That wasn't my purpose. He gave that to them, not to me, not to me. And people run themselves ragged because they have a good heart and they have a gift. They have a talent. I'm not saying don't volunteer. I'm not saying don't help others. I'm saying that if you don't recognize you have a calling and a purpose and you can't let that go undone because your heart is to run around all over town, all over the country, helping other people. I, I, had, to, I had to speak to a guy and I told him, listen, you're, they're, they're running you ragged. Here's a guy that was running all over the country, has his own purpose, but the group that he was with trying to run him ragged because he's gifted. Probably the most, if I'm being honest with you, he's probably the most gifted individual they have in the group, having the whole denomination. I promise you that. Gifted in many areas. But instead of just focusing on his call, his purpose, they've got him running all over the nation because he's gifted and talented and anointed. And it's a mistake because it was starting to wear on his physical body, starting to wear on his family. You can't do that. You can't be running in every direction, trying to solve every problem, trying to say yes to everything and everybody, and then think that what God's called you to get done is going to be completed. I've talked to men of God and I've said, hey, give me some advice about, you know, what, whatever you would have done different. One of the things that I was very surprised to hear men of God say is um, focus on what God's called you to do because he said, if you're not, they say, if you're not careful, what'll happen is because you're anointed, because you uh, have a talents and gifts is that people will ride you like a workhorse and let you do all the work, literally let you do all the work uh, for their own thing. And he said, I would have, I've had many guys tell me this. <clears throat> I would have spent more time building what God called me to build 
and doing what God called me to do <clears throat> rather than running all over the world or around the nation doing things for other people that were not part of my calling. You're not required. So, well, I'm a Christian. I should, I should go do that for the. You're not required. <clears throat> Remember, <clears throat> sorry, it's not COVID. <laughs> You're not required. Remember that when God gives you a call, when he gives you a purpose, he holds you to it. He holds you to it. You're required to accomplish your purpose. Let me read you a verse of scripture that we go to often. Look at this. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, <clears throat> they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And so what's the, what's the uh, issue here? The issue is that you've got people that are running all over, all over, trying to accomplish something that's not even theirs to accomplish. It's not even theirs to accomplish. And so their calling goes undone. Their gifting, what God's given to them, is now being spent on something God never told them to do. And so is their energy. <clears throat> and so is their strength. And you do that long enough, and all you are is burn out, and you've gotten no closer to completing what God's called you to do. No closer. One of my favorite things I've ever heard is when Bishop Oedepo said that the mantra of their ministry is, is this, <clears throat> if God didn't tell me to do it, let it remain undone. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. And if he can't take me there, may I never arrive. Think about that. <clears throat> if God didn't tell me to do it, let it remain undone. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. And if God can't take me there, may I never arrive. Three things that will help you in your life as a gifted and a talented person. If God didn't tell you to do it, let it remain undone. I would, let, I would rather let things remain undone than I would try to go accomplish everything because I feel like I should do it. I've said this many times on a broadcast and <clears throat> it's good to write it down again. A need does not constitute a calling. Put it in your notes. Write it in the comments. A need doesn't constitute a calling. There are lots of needs on the earth. I'm not called to meet every one of them. I meet needs, but I'm not called to meet every need. <clears throat> and people will burn themselves out because they'll say, oh, there's a need. <clears throat> there's a need. There's a need. There's a I got to meet that, meet that, meet that, meet that, meet that. At the end of the day, God never told you to do any of those things. And so all that's happening <clears throat> is you're expending strength, expending energy, time away from your family. God never told you to do it. So you know what that means? God's not the one that's going to provide the energy to do it, the strength to do it, the wisdom to do it, the resources to do it. You have to provide it all because you did it outside of God's instruction. A need does not constitute a calling. 
Do what God told you to do. Don't say yes to everything. Don't sit around and say, well, I'll just take it on because I know I should. I'm a Christian. No, pray, find out what God wants you to do and stop saying yes to everything. Focus on yours and make sure you're completing what God called you to do and told you to do. And don't say yes to everything. Amen. Amen. Let me give you number three before we pray. The third thing is this, and I see it happening all the time. When you are gifted, when you are talented, people, because it's just human nature, people will praise you. They will. And I don't mean you have to walk around with false humility, but you've got to hear this because if you don't guard yourself, if you're not careful, the third mistake gifted people must avoid is keeping the praise. Keeping the praise. It's not your praise. The glory goes to God. The glory goes to God. And this is an internal thing. So let me give you an example because one of my biggest pet peeves Yeah, flatter you, praise you. Oh, you're so good, man. You're so great. You're so great at that, man. You're so awesome. I mean, they'll praise you. And I don't don't mean we have to have a low view of ourselves. One of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody gives you a compliment. I, I can't stand, I cannot stand Christian people who can't take a compliment. You know, I don't need to hear a 15-minute monologue on how God's worthy of all the glory every time I tell you you did a great job. I mean, just like say thank you and and move on. Hey, great job on the platform today. You did a great job playing the drums. You did a great job playing the keyboard. You did a great job singing that solo. Oh, all glory to God, my brother. It's not me. It's actually God in me. It's Christ in me. He's the one that gives me the talent. He's the one that gives me the strength and the ability to do it. Uh, Without him, I could do nothing. Amen. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I'd be drifting like a ship without a sail. It's like, chill out and just say thank you and move on. I don't need to hear you go on a rant about... How, you know, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. We get it. You know, great. Hey, great job. It's all him, brother. It's all him. Yeah, I already thanked him. Now I'm thanking you. (laughs) It's like ridiculous. We get it. You're humble. And it ends up being false humility. It's false humility. Oh, holy brother. It's all him. Don't look at me. It's It's like ridiculous. Just say thank you and move on. You're not taking God's glory because you said thank you. Seriously. (laughs) It's like, if I come up to you and say, hey, great job on the worship today, just say thanks. If you say thank you, you're not taking God's glory. You're not taking taking God's glory. You're just saying thank you. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem happens when people hear that stuff coming into their ears all the time, and then they, what happens? The Bible says not to happen. They start to have a higher opinion of themselves than they ought to, the Bible says. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. What does it do? If you start 
taking the praise and keeping the glory, pride begins to build in your spirit. Pride begins to build. And then if you're not careful, if you're not careful, as the pride continues to build in your spirit, then it ends up creating a destructive path for your life and for your ministry and for your business because you begin to get this mindset. Yeah, I am great. You know what? It is me. I, I am. If you start thinking internally that you don't need, and let me tell you, let me show you how this practically happens. If you'd like to know. So what does that look like practically for somebody that's dealing with that? Let me tell you. If you start believing your own hype and let people just continue to praise you and you take that praise as your own and you let it build pride in your heart, one of the telltale signs that that's happening to you is that you continue in your calling without prayer. Think about that. You continue in your calling without prayer. Because if you choose to go into what you're doing, or what you're gifted called to do without praying and asking for the help of God, it shows that you don't think you need the help of God. You don't think you need the help of God. I mean, I've been preaching for what? Close to 20 years now. And there's things that even to this day, if Cody was on, he could tell you. Pastor Cody Spencer that was on me with me a couple weeks ago. You know, I'll go and I've preached. Let me tell you, I've preached to young people, old people, kids. I've preached to I've preached so many times. It's not that I'm nervous. I'm not nervous to preach to anybody. But he could tell you, he's caught me a few times that we're out there getting ready to go go out onto the platform. And he'll come behind the curtain to tell me, hey, we're going to go out in a minute. And he'll find me on the back behind the curtain, on my knees and on my face, with my face in my hands, crying out to God for the help of God and the help of the Holy Spirit to touch these young people tonight. Touch these people tonight. Make your people whole. Heal them if they're sick. Deliver them if they're bound. Save them if they're far from you. I'm not doing that because I'm nervous to preach. I'm not doing that because I hope the service goes well. No, I'm crying out to God because without his help, without his anointing, nothing happens. Without the Holy Spirit moving on the people, without God reaching down his mighty hand and touching us, nothing happens. Another speech isn't going to do anything. Another TED talk, another human video, another praise and worship service. It's not going to do anything. Without the hand of God on it, without the power of God involved, it means nothing. We might as well not even gather together. We might as well not do anything. And so a key that you've believed your own hype, a key that you have started to take the praise and the glory is that you don't pray and ask for the help of God anymore. I mean, keep that in your mind. That's a big thing. It's a big thing. People get big enough where they feel like they don't need God's help anymore. Problem. That means you've believed your own hype, that you think it's you doing it and not God. But remember, Remember what Psalm 75 says, verses six and seven. Promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord and he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. He decides it. We don't, he does. He decides it by our faithfulness. 
Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the earth. Who, who's he looking for? People whose hearts are turned toward him. On whose behalf he will show himself strong and mighty. Strong and mighty. So we need the power of God, but he's watching to see whose hearts are turned toward him. He's not going to show himself strong and mighty on everybody's behalf, on those whose hearts are turned toward him. So if I've lost my heart for God, I don't need his help anymore. I don't even ask him for his help. I don't even pray. Then why why in the world would he show himself strong and mighty on my behalf? He's looking for people that want him and need him. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's a sign of humility because if I'm diligently seeking him, it shows that I know I need him and I need what he has for my life. I will diligently seek him. It's a sign I don't believe my hype. I don't believe it. You know, I'm not going to walk around with no self-confidence. I'm not going to walk around with insecurity. That's not what I'm preaching today. It's not what I'm telling you to do. In fact, most gifted people are not insecure and they don't walk around with a low self-image. And so that's why there's a temptation to walk in pride because you know you've got something in you that works. But you give the glory to God. And as I said, don't be goofy about it. In the same way that I tell people, you know, if somebody asks you how you're doing on the way to the car after Sunday morning service, don't give them a 15-minute message about, you know, how you're too blessed to be distressed and you're under the spout where the glory comes out and you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed going in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. It's like, just say I'm doing great and head to your car. In the same way that they don't need to hear a message on how great you're doing from the word of God. They're just asking how you're doing today. In the same way, if somebody says, hey, great job on the keys, great job on the piano, great job singing that solo. Just say, hey, thank you very much. And that's all you got to say. Just say thank you and move on. He gets all the glory, brother. It's him. It's God in me. It's Christ in me. Amen. He gave me the gifts. He gave me the talents. These hands are his. This mouth is his. This body's his. It's like, chill out, nut job. Just be normal and say thank you and move on. It's not about insecurity and it's not about uh, low self-image and it's not about false humility. It's just about being humble, saying thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. And then you don't go home and start thinking to yourself, I'm the best there ever was. My God, I don't even need to pray. I don't even need to practice anymore. No, still give it everything you got. Still pray and ask God for his help, for his power, for his glory to be seen in your life. These things will help you. Number one, number one, it's so very important that you learn. And and let me tell you, I've taught this so often to people that it makes me laugh, but it's, it's absolutely the key. I mean, it's making me laugh, but it's absolutely the key. Don't lay back on your gift. Don't lay back on your gift. Keep pressing forward. Number two, don't try to solve every problem. Do not try to say yes to everybody. And number three, do not take God's glory. Don't let the quickest way to fall, the quickest way to be destroyed is to walk in pride. It's what got the devil destroyed and thrown out of heaven. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We've got to stay. Let me give you a final word before we pray. The key to increase in the the kingdom is humility and meekness. 
humility, and meekness. Meekness is the key to inheritance. Read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is the key to inheritance. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Moses, the meekest man on the earth, also became the greatest man on the earth. Stay humble. Stay meek. Let God use you. Let God use you. Bow your head with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for every man and woman that's a part of this ministry. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've connected to us. You've placed gifts, talents, anointings, and callings on them. I pray that in this year of 2020, they will realize their gifting, calling, and anointing in a way they never have before. Let them explode onto the scene, breakthrough after breakthrough. Let them see increase in every area of their life. You promised us as we begin to confess, this would be our year of violent increase and expedited favor. It's a year of the flow of the Holy Ghost. And so we receive it in Jesus' mighty name, the flow of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for that. And I pray that you'd open doors for your people supernaturally. Open doors for them that no man can shut. Shut doors that the enemy was accessing that nobody can open again in Jesus' name. I pray that before May comes to an end, we would hold mighty testimonies in our hand in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you believe and receive it, throw some fire in the comment section. Let me know that you believe it and shout aloud, amen. Yanil's asking, how do we also connect via text uh, an app also. Text is very easy. You can go to miracleword.com forward slash text. By the way, I forgot to say this at the beginning. I just sent out the first chapter of my brand new book, which is a uh, Spirit-Filled Believer's Guide, Volume 1 on Speaking in Tongues. It's coming soon, this year, within the next few months. And uh, I sent you guys the free first copy of the chapter to read uh, to get in on what's getting ready to happen. I sent it to everybody that was connected by text. If you're not connected by text and you'd like to be, go to the website, miracleword.com forward slash text, sign up there, and you can get uh, a copy also of the brand new chapter of this new book that's coming out. You'll love it. And then of course, thanks Scotty. If you want to get the app, which we have 24 seven digital radio playing, preaching and teaching for you guys. Um, it's available in the app store, whether you're on the Apple app store or the Google play store, just search miracle word and you can download our free app. And inside is everything you need. Prayer points, miracle word radio. We've got podcasts. We've got, uh, you know, you can make, do your notes. We've got all kinds of stuff for you in there. I mean, videos, everything's there for you. Search miracle word in the app store. And, um, I appreciate it because we've got people that are partnering. I want to encourage you to partner with us. Those of you that are watching, nothing will get you blessed quicker than obeying the word of God. Nothing gets you blessed quicker. And so let me encourage you, if you've not partnered with us, let this be the month. We've had people that said, this is my month, and they've stepped up, and they have. They've partnered with us. We're praying, and God's answering the prayers, as he'll do for you. And so I want to encourage you to take a minute and stand with us in partnership. $85 a month or more, $1,000 a year, and uh, we appreciate you. I understand um, that not everybody can start out at the $85 a month level. Many can, and many can do more than that. Many are doing more than that. Um, 
but I want to encourage you to start where the Holy Spirit tells you to start. I think about Letty, who I love, who uh, was blessed at our meeting up in Massachusetts. And uh, she said, I think she said she started out at $10 a week, $10 a week sewing. And now she, God has increased her just from that faithfulness of sewing $10 a week. And now God has blessed her abundantly. And I think she even told us she got new clients, all kinds of new things during the, even during this quarantine. She's got new clients for business, all kinds of stuff. God's in, why? God just honors his word. He does what he said he'll do. And uh, so I want to encourage those of you that are watching, pray about it. Will you stand in these final moments of time with Carolyn and me as we touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? All the information's on the screen. The easiest way to sow a seed is to go to miracleword.com. And uh, right there, you can either sow a one-time seed or you can uh, partner with us monthly. <clears throat> and we say thank you. We say a big thank you. Of course, we send you gifts to say our thank you. And this month, my friend, Pastor Alan Meshagan, has written a wonderful book, Heir of Power. It's our gift to you. For everybody that's sowing $85 a month or more this month, it's coming to you. And then, of course, also uh, for everybody that's partnering at $1,000 or more this month, <clears throat> we're sending you the Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible. I love this study Bible. I was using it this morning. It's got phenomenal notes, all kinds of background, and an awesome genuine lever. This is like, this is my new favorite thing. I love a genuine, buttery leather Bible. That's a great one. And then also, within the next week or so, the hardcovers are coming in for Further Faster. That's coming to our partners, our $1,000 or more partners hardcover with a dust jacket. I'm signing it to you. I'm sending it to you uh, and you're going to enjoy it. It's a limited edition. They won't be for sale. You won't be able to get them at the meetings or on the store. They're only for people that are standing with us in partnership. And then this is available now on every ebook store that matters. And then also in paperback, if you'd like to get a copy and um, I'm working now next on the audiobook. So I'll be able to send that to audible.com. You'll be able to get it for your phones and your tablets. And uh, I, I actually love audiobooks. I've been using them more than anything. And uh, we're going to try to get all the books done on audiobook coming up very soon. I'm going to narrate them myself, <clears throat> hopefully when the mustache is gone so that the voice doesn't sound as creepy. <laughs> Further, faster, chapter one. Um, don't forget, starting tonight, or not starting tonight, starting last night, continuing tonight and through the rest of the week, this new series, Five Areas of Life You Must Master. Nine o'clock tonight. You don't want to miss it. Last night was awesome. If you missed it, go back and watch that one. But going again tonight, nine o'clock Eastern time, and then every night this week, Five Areas of Life You Must Master. It's going to bless you. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Jacob said, I didn't know there was soft covers. My Bible's bigger than my thigh. It's good to have a big Bible. No, I agree with you, Jessica. And I, I like, I personally keep a lot of audiobooks on my phone and tablet because when you're, when you're doing anything, whether you're walking, driving, you know, working, you can always keep them rolling. And I, I really like that. And uh, so we want to make it available as well. Maybe even a coloring book version, a pop-up book, manga, whatever we can do. Whatever we can do for the next generation, <laughs> we're going to work on doing it. The next thing I'm going to start working on too 
is uh, these fictional books for the kids, for Miracle Word Kids. We're doing a fiction series, an adventure series for the kids. So that's going to be uh, coming up soon. We're going to start work on that. So many things that are available for you guys. Miracle Word University, I see people continuing to sign up, new students coming in all the time. Um, and if you have not gotten a chance to check out Miracle Word U, all of our courses are now bundled for you, the ones that we have available. And uh, we're giving you 28% off of all these courses, one for free. And for just $199, you get over 20 hours of teaching that's yours forever. And uh, you can download it to your phone, tablet, laptop, watch it at your own pace. These will bless you for sure. These will definitely bless you. And so they're available to you now. Go to MiracleWordU, the letter U, dot com. MiracleWordU.com. You can sign up. It's free to start an account. And then you can check any of the courses that you'd like. And, um, and you can get involved at your own pace. It's not on any kind of a time schedule. We're providing any kind of increase for your spirit. Exactly, Anil. No excuse not to grow. I totally agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. And uh, so it's available. I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging with me. Thanks to everybody that's sowing seeds. Everybody that's giving. Um, <laughs> Chris is funny. I love you, man. Have a great day. And um, we'll be back again tonight, 9 o'clock. Don't miss it. And uh, it's going to be great. I love you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.